Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our Set the Bar episode. So today we're going to talk about one team that has a high ceiling and one team that has a low ceiling. So Jalen, let's start out with the high ceiling teams. Who is one team that you believe has a high ceiling? Man, Ryan, as most might already be able to tell on this podcast, I have a lot of teams, bro. I like the Washington Wizards because I live here in Baltimore, Maryland. I like the Chicago Bulls because I grew up I grew up as a really big Jordan fan, but I also was the biggest Derrick Rose fan once upon a time. A little bit a little bit prior actually to his MVP season. I also like the Oklahoma City Thunder because my favorite player in the league right now is Kevin Durant. He left, but that's not really the point. And then, of course, there's the Atlanta Hawks because your boy is from Georgia. But only one of those teams could be a part of this high ceiling selection for me. And I think that's going to have to be the Washington Wizards. This is a team that finished just barely out of the playoffs, whether it's for good or for bad. Ninth over ninth um, in the Eastern Conference with a record of 25 and 47. And they're getting a ton, a ton of help coming in this year. A healthy John Wall, who is also motivated and has been quoted multiple times by saying that he feels better than he has ever felt in his NBA career in terms of his physical stature right now. A guy in Bradley Beal is probably highly motivated by by the fact that he was snubbed for the NBA All-Star game again. Resigning a guy like Davis Bertans, who who was top three in fast break fast break points last year, and was one of the best three point shooters in terms of overall percentage, overall the over the course of the the season prior to um, the NBA bubble launch, and then you throw on top of that guys developing like Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura a guy in Denny Avdia who they were able to steal at nine in the draft, a guy who was projected to be two go second overall to the Golden State Warriors as high as that and fell as low as nine to us of all teams who probably didn't even have him on our board because we didn't even think he was close to available and somehow was able to snatch him off, off the draft lot. So this is a team that has a ton of upside in terms of the kind of bodies they can throw out there. I think picking up a guy in Robin Lopez was super huge. I really, 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 really wish that we could have reached out to a guy in DeMarcus Cousins who elected to go to the Houston Rockets, who I believe don't really need him after getting a guy in Christian Wood. But we missed out on that sweepstakes. I really thought that reuniting the Kentucky Bros would have been something super, super cool to watch with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins back on the floor together. But I think we're still in a really high upside um, kind of a – we have a really good high upside approach to the season. I mean, we're talking about an Indiana team that's not going to have Nate McMillan as their coach anymore and still has to figure out things regarding the future of Victor Oladipo. And a team in the Orlando Magic – who honestly are wishy-washy on a year-to-year basis and tend to simply make the playoffs because they have a starting unit that's better than most of the really bad teams in the Eastern Conference. 
Well, I don't think you can say that in comparison to a Washington Wizards team that has Bradley Beal and John Wall in the backcourt and Davis Bertans at power forward. So I think if two teams in Indiana and Orlando have to fall out, I think two of my teams in Washington and Atlanta can shoot up. So I feel really good about where Washington's headed this season. So you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks, and they are actually one of my teams that has a high ceiling. I think the Hawks drastically improved from last year to this year. I mentioned in the last episode, they drafted Onyeka Nkongwu and Skylar Mays. And in free agency, they signed Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They still also have John Collins and Clint Capella. And Trey Young is becoming one of the best guards in the league. And I think their starting five is really talented right now. They have Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, John Collins, and Clint Capella. I think this team will easily make the playoffs and maybe make a run in the playoffs. My other team that has a high ceiling is the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets, I've mentioned on a couple of episodes prior to this one, Charlotte has a talented team so far. They have a young core that consists of Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, and um, Miles Bridges. They also just drafted Lomelo Ball, and they just signed Gordon Hayward as well. I think this team is the dark horse to make the playoffs. I think that this team has a lot of potential, and I think that with the inclusion of Lamelo Ball into the offense, Charlotte could be one of the most improved teams from last year to this year. So my two teams with a high ceiling are Atlanta and Charlotte. So, Ryan, let's take that and let's conduct another one of my good old Jays exercises. So let's look at these teams, right? We have the Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, and Atlanta Hawks. Washington finished 25-47. and 47. Charlotte finished 23-42. and 42. And the Atlanta Hawks fell all the way to the 14th team in the seat, uh, four teams, uh, 14th seed in the Eastern Conference with a record of 20 and 47. Out of all, out of these three teams, looking at all the moves that they have made in this offseason, for good or for bad, we've seen John Wall return from injury. Gordon Hayward signed for a big deal for the Charlotte Hornets. The Atlanta Hawks grabbed guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari, as well as Rajon Rondo. Out of all three of these teams who, have, who we have high hopes for, who is the team, if you had to only pick one, that you can guarantee will make the playoffs next year? I think it's Atlanta, and I guarantee that Atlanta makes the playoffs next year. They have a lot of talent on this team, um, which I mentioned earlier. They signed a lot of valuable contributors. They contributed all on their uh, previous teams. Danilo Gallinari had one of the best seasons of his career in Oklahoma City. Bogdan Bogdanovich is one of the best up-and-coming guards in the NBA. Rajon Rondo has one of the highest IQs out of any basketball player in the NBA. And then I mentioned Chris Dunn, who hasn't performed particularly well in his career, but I think he could have a, a career resurgence in Atlanta, considering that Atlanta could use all of the guard depth that they could possibly get. And Chris Dunn can add to a very young Atlanta team that doesn't have a lot of guard help at the moment. Adding a guy like Skylar Mays could help with that. He is a very explosive guard coming out of LSU. And I think that with Atlanta, they've, they've made such an improvement that people should be penciling Atlanta in as a, as a playoff team, considering that there are more teams in the East 
that are getting better as we speak. And I mentioned on our previous episode, I do kind of feel like that because teams like Atlanta and Charlotte and Washington have gotten better, the shift has really started to change between who has the better teams in their respective conferences. And it looks like it's going in favor of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, man, I think that I completely agree with you in terms of the team that you picked, but I think I'm going to take a simpler approach in terms of explaining why I believe the Atlanta Hawks are guaranteed to make the the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs this upcoming season. The first one is that they have three near or completely are seven-footers on their team. In Onyeka Kongbu, John Collins, and um, Clint Capella. And as the homie from WWE, Big Cass, once said, you can't teach that. First of all, that's that's extremely dangerous to be able to have three big men with the kind of skill sets that they each have. A guy like John Collins, who's great above the rim and around the rim as a finisher. A guy in a Yucca Congo who has a lot of defensive presence and plays with a lot of his own instinctual... Um, he plays with his own instinctual movements. He's a guy who can move around the ball, cover the one through five, I believe. He's a guy who really slides his feet well, plays around the rim really well. And then a guy like Clint Capella who... I mean, he can smell a lob from a mile away. He's a guy who finishes above the rim really well, and he's a guy who can who can who has a really good high point to sling the ball to and always be able to finish lobs for. So I think that's the first thing. Having multiple seven footers or near seven footers is really good. The other thing is Trey Young. In 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 year three, I think this is where he takes off. We saw Jason Tatum do it. I think that Trey Young is the next one to hit his year three burst. And guess what? The dude can pull up from 40 plus feet. And again, you can't teach that. So this is a team that has a lot of really special talent on it. One guy that you didn't even mention was a guy in Cam Reddish, who I mentioned on a, on a previous podcast, as a guy who, if you go back on ESPN's website and check the month-to-month stats, he's a guy who improved every single month. And in the month before the NBA stoppage, he was averaging 14.8 points per game. And he was shooting really well from both the floor and three. So he was a guy where as he was starting to get more reps in the game, starting to get more playing time in the NBA against live action, he started to kind of figure things out a bit. And I think in year two, it's going to be a really good opportunity for him to build upon that, even with the influx of guys that they have coming in. So I think Atlanta is dangerous. I love what Washington has going for them. But I think Atlanta just made too many moves this offseason to just overlook them. Let's talk about our low-ceiling teams. Jalen, I know you have a couple different low-ceiling teams. So who are some of your low-ceiling teams? Man, I got to get back on my bandwagon again with the Chicago Bulls, man. This is a team that I, you know... If you go back and watch the live NBA draft reactions that we did on Instagram Live, we got Patrick Williams at number four. And I was extremely excited about it. And I've started to look at the roster over the last couple of days since that level of excitement. I'm not as excited anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I genuinely am starting to wonder why we didn't get Killian Hayes. Um, I think that Patrick Williams has a ton of upside, but we 
we still have Laurie Marketing. We still have Wendell Carter. We still have Daniel Gafford. We we have a ton of forwards. We literally just brought back Otto Porter. We didn't get Denny. We didn't grab Killian. Tyrese Halliburton fell to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, Ryan, my voice is low like this because I don't know what to do with this team right now. I had a friend the other day talk to me and say that he thinks the Clippers might make a trade that might send that that might send a couple of the guys like Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly over to the Bulls in exchange for Zach Levine. You, you mean to tell me we're giving up on Zach Levine? This is the team, Arturis, uh, Arturis, um, our new GM, Karnashovas is his last name. It's a really hard last name to pronounce, so I try to say it as, li- as, as little as possible. Arturis is a guy who is very innovative. He's a guy who made a lot of really sneaky draft picks for the Denver Nuggets. This is a guy who was part of the selection of Jamal Murray, Nicole, Nikola Jokic, um, Michael Porter Jr., and Bol Bol. I trust his ability to draft, but I genuinely believe that he must see something in Patrick Williams that we don't know about. I love his upside. ACC six man of the year out of Florida State. He has a lot, he has a high motor, a lot of room to improve on the offensive end, and he plays instinctually on the defensive end, which makes him a really scary defender, at least early on in his career. But we needed a point guard, man. I, I, I said this a while ago, dude. I love Kobe White. But he did so much better coming off the bench. I'm not letting a guy in Ryan Archie Diacono start at point guard for my team. I can't, I can't have it happen. I can't let it happen. I'm not letting Zach Levine start at the, at the point. He's not, he's, Zach Levine and Devin Booker are comparable, but they are not the same player. Zach Levine is never going to average seven assists the way Devin Booker averaged seven assists last year. It's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. Grabbing a guy in Patrick Williams, I felt like completely avoided the fact that we needed to address a positional need and Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton were both on the table. Patrick Williams even felt like a guy that we could have traded back for at this rate. It's something that I've been mentioned uh, that somebody has mentioned to me about. I mean, we are in a really weird spot and I think letting Chris Dunn walk and go to Atlanta, it only makes the whole at point guard worse. What were we supposed to get Fred Van Vliet? He went back to Toronto. He's playing in Vegas this year. I mean, man, Bulls, man. I mean, you know, Ryan, this team here, you wonder why I got four teams, bro. That's all I'm saying. That's If if you ever wonder why I have four teams, that's because Chicago is my first love and they keep hurting me with moves like these. To say that I was shocked that Patrick Williams went to the Bulls with the fourth overall pick, it's an understatement. Why in the world? Would you take Patrick Williams over Denny Avdia, Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes? I don't understand. It hurt my chest just hearing you read them off like that. 
the only thing that I would have to believe that Patrick Williams would be selected by Chicago is that they see something in Patrick Williams that we don't. I mean, I think, I think just, just to build off of what you just said, right. I think the other thing about it is just like, it's not just Patrick Williams, right. You know, I'm not trying to take over this segment with the Bulls fandom, but there's like a part of this that just does not make sense to me. It's not even just the Patrick Williams part. It's the fact that Arturis showed his colors a little bit. At 44, he goes and gets Marco Simonovic. Guess who Marco Simonovic is? Another overseas Serbian center. Now, unless you're telling me, Arturis, that Marco is going to turn into Nikola Jokic, who you drafted out of Serbia for the Denver Nuggets, I can't get along with that pick when Jordan Awara goes right after. Nico Mannion addresses the point guard need, and that's a good area to look at. Skylar Mays, who you mentioned for Atlanta. And guess who had the audacity to go to the Wizards when he could have fit for the Bulls? My boy Cassius Winston, who got selected by the Wizards, traded for technically from the Thunder to the Wizards, at 53 even Cassius Winston is better than Ryan Archie Diacono as my starting point guard we're even talking about guys like Grant Riller Jay Scrub Reggie Perry all guys I had really high grades on and you go and get a Serbian center like we don't already have four power forwards on the team i feel like the knicks ryan i feel like the knicks i don't blame you my other low ceiling team by the way is minnesota i thought unlike chicago they had a great draft they got anthony edwards with the first overall pick leandro balmaro which was a trade from the knicks they got him with the 23rd overall pick and then Jaden mcdaniels in the second round i think it's clear that they're trying to build the, the supporting cast for d'angelo russell and carl anthony towns they also acquired Ricky Rubio, who is a solid rotational point guard. So their starting lineup right now really has a lot of experience outside of Anthony Edwards, who is a rookie. They have Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Hernan Gomez, and Carl Anthony Towns. I think there's a lot of depth also coming off the bench with a lot of young players like Jared Culver, Josh Akogi, Malik Beasley, who just re-signed with the Timberwolves, Omari Spillman, and uh, Jay McDaniels. I would say that this team could win 40 games. I think that's their ceiling. We should definitely let Minnesota rebuild so that one year they could become a solid playoff team in the West. I mean, I think the reason why they have such a low ceiling is because the West, they didn't get better, but every team kind of got closer to the pack. And for a team that finished pretty much just barely above Golden State, who literally was only out of it because of injuries. I mean, this is a team that I don't feel like got better enough to the fact that they can say they're going from 14 to being a competitive playoff, uh, to making a competitive playoff push. Like, this is a team that I just genuinely believe did all the right things to be able to start building towards something but I don't think it's going to amount to very much this year. I think getting Ricky Rubio back is going to be huge as a backcourt mate to D'Angelo Russell, if not putting him as a bench guard for them. 
I think having a guy in Malik Beasley is going to be really huge. How long he ends up staying on the roster or whether or not he becomes a trade piece is something worth questioning. Anthony Edwards is a guy who, when you listen to the guy in interviews, he gives away that there's a potential problem with his motor and drive in terms of enjoying the game and loving the game. And there was once another guy that was a Minnesota Timberwolf and Andrew Wiggins who had a similar problem at the same position. Not nearly the same type of physical upsides as a guy in Anthony Edwards, but definitely from a hype and skill aspect. Andrew Wiggins had very, very similar hype to a guy in Anthony Edwards with very similar character issues. So I think this is really a situation where, you know, you have to wonder how long is it going to take for Minnesota to get right on the run on get back on the right track. This is a team when led by Jimmy Butler literally bumped out the Nuggets team we know now out of the playoffs and stole the eight seed just a couple years ago. Since Jimmy Butler's departure, this team is a train with no tracks. And it seems like with every little move that they make, it seems like the environment around them, the Sacramento Kings actually just acquired Hassan Whiteside. Like, the teams around them are significantly getting better. Golden State is getting Steph Curry back along with Kelly Oubre. They have James Wiseman in the draft. The New Orleans Pelicans have an excellent young core and were able to get a guy in Steven Adams. Good luck driving into the paint when you have to see Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. Like I said before, the Sacramento Kings just re-upped on De'Aaron Fox might have might still be able to find some significant trade value in a guy like Buddy Heald, and they just acquired Hassan Whiteside. The San Antonio Spurs still have a guy in DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge who could be really good um, trade pieces on the final years of their deal as potential movable, um, movable pieces, as well as the fact that they have a really nice young core led by DeJounte Murray. The Phoenix Suns, we've been talking about practically all season, is pra- all practically all off season about being one of the most improved teams coming out of the bubble last last season, just starting with the eight seeding games in which they never lost a game, but somehow still let, um, missed the playoffs. And the Memphis Grizzlies are getting Justice Winslow healthy, and we'll be able to see him along a roster that has Jaron Jackson Jr. Valanchunas, John Morant, who won Rookie of the Year and has to be one looking to try to build upon that, and a guy in Dylan Brooks who proved that he could be a starting two guard in this league. I mean, we're talking about all that. That's just talking about all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. So, man, Minnesota, you, you did what you had to do, but you got to wonder how much more are you going to have to do to even get close? Because I don't know if this year does it. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what team do you believe has a high ceiling and what team do you believe has a low ceiling? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.